Isaiah 59 and verse 19. Let's just pray together. Amen. Father, this morning, we just pray. Thank you for your presence among us, for your healing touch, for the living reality that you are alive. And we thank you this morning that we are found in you. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us this morning both to preach and to hear your word, your name to be glorified, strengthen these bodies, weak though they may be. We pray that your strength would be made perfect in our weakness and your name would be glorified in this house. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 59, just one verse. It's verse 19. <clears throat> Isaiah 59, and it's verse, uh, uh, chapter 59 and verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. Just say amen. amen. We're going to just read that again, if you don't mind, and just let it sink in and get the truth of it into our being this morning. And may faith lay hold of it. And may we apply it this morning and believe it. The Bible says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. Would you say it with me, just the second part of the verse, starting at when? Let's say it all together. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. Now, let's say it this time like you mean it. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. Would someone praise the Lord for his word this morning? Amen. It's good to praise the Lord. When the enemy, it says when the enemy, not if the enemy comes in. It says when the enemy comes in. We know we have an adversary. And uh, this morning, I don't want in any way to magnify Satan. We're here to magnify Jesus and lift him up. But we are here to identify the work of the enemy and to expose his works. And to know this morning that Jesus has defeated Satan on the cross through his death, through his glorious resurrection, through the shedding of his own precious blood, that the enemy is a defeated foe. He lost his rights over death and hell. Who holds the keys of death and hell? Would you say his name? Jesus. What a name. What a name. The name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. And Satan's host does flee. Isn't it wonderful this morning? He's given him a name that's above every name. What a name. It's Jesus. Isn't it lovely to be able to say Jesus and know that you're speaking about your Lord and your Savior? It's not a curse word. It's the person. It's the Jesus of, Christ, of Nazareth, the Christ of God, the great victor, the eternal one, the almighty God. And he's coming soon. And he's a wonderful savior. Are you glad to be saved? Come on, are you glad to be saved this morning? This is God's house, amen. His house should be filled with praise and love and adoration to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because he deserves it and he's worthy this morning, not because of what he gives us, but for who he is. His name is Jesus and he shall save or deliver his people from their sins. Thank God this morning 
that we have the victory. Oh boy. Thanks be to God that giveth us the He has given us the victory. Isn't that right? Isn't that right this morning? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? All right. We're going to have to dig a bit this morning. This is going to be good. He's given us the victory. Praise the Lord. Amen. And it's mine too. Praise the Lord. The victory that Christ has given us through the cross this morning. Thank God we're on the victory side. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God we're in a fight. Thank God we're in a fight. It's a good fight, isn't it? It's a good fight. That's what Paul calls it. It's a good fight of faith. And we're to earnestly contend for this fight, for the faith that was once delivered to the saints of God. We are wrestling not against the personalities and the agendas of men and the politics of men and the and the, the, all the different things that have been set up in this day and the liberal organizations and the politics of man. We're not wrestling against those things but we do have a wrestle, and it's a real one. But thank God he's given us the victory. All right, we've got the victory this morning. But we're in, a, we're in a battle, and it's a real battle. And the Bible says here, when the enemy comes in, when the, when the enemy comes in, when the enemy. You've got an enemy. It's good to have one, because if you didn't have one, then you're not saved. We have an enemy. Because we're saved and he's against the church of Jesus Christ. Thank God this morning that Jesus said, here's the word of God. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, Jesus is building his church. He'll finish the work. Jesus has never begun anything and not finished it. There is no unfinished works. You look around my house, around my garden, around my shed. There's a lot of unfinished works. But Jesus finished the work. Before he starts it, it's finished. Because he's God. He's almighty. And that's why we can trust him this morning. That he will keep that which I've committed to him against that day. And I'm persuaded this morning. That not death or life or principalities, or powers, or demons of this world will ever separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And nothing can take me from his hand. Not good to know. But the battle's on, brothers and sisters. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, we have an adversary. Of course, he was defeated. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, I love these scriptures. Hebrews uh, chapter 2, if you turn over, and just follow it for a moment. We know the great victory through the cross. Isn't the cross a wonderful place? An awesome place. The wonder of it all is at Calvary. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, it says these words, Hebrews 2 and 14, For as much then, for as, much then as the children are the partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. He became flesh. That through death, his death, he would destroy him that had the part of death. That is the devil. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful this morning that Christ has defeated death? That, that is the devil this morning is defeated and destroyed at the cross. Isn't that wonderful? That's why the devil hates the cross. That's why the cross must be central in all things. Thank God this morning that he has defeated our adversary, the enemy, the devil at the cross. Because he became a man and he took death. He tasted death for me. So when a saint dies, 
precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Why? Because it's victory. It's actually victory. We weep, we mourn, we grieve over the death of a loved one. That is absolutely the way God has created us. But there's a hope in our hearts this morning that if that saint has, has, has died in Christ, has been promoted to glory, and we will be reunited with them around the throne of God ever to sing the praises of Jesus because he defeated death. And so it's glory for the saint. We can't be defeated. Because Christ lives in our hearts by faith. Isn't it wonderful this morning? Our body is is perishing. Our outward man perisheth. We have problems and weaknesses and failures and flaws. But when we look to him, friends, look on to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. It's good to know this morning we're not dependent on ourselves. Would you say amen? amen? Are you dependent on him? I tell you, he can be trusted. He's faithful. Never fails. Never lets us down. He's never failed yet. And let me tell you something. He never will. He never will. What a saviour. And so we see here also in Colossians. You turn over into Colossians. Again, verses that are commonly read from this pulpit. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13 says, And you, would you read it with me this morning? And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him and forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful this morning, these truths of God's word, that our enemy, our adversary, the serpent, the devil, the old sly one, the liar, the murderer, the thief, has been defeated at the cross of Calvary. His end is the lake of fire. His time is short. He has a destiny, and so do we. It's heaven. Time is short. Peter writes these words, post-Calvary, of course, writing to the church of Jesus Christ in 1 Peter 5 and 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Could I say it again? Now Peter's writing to the church. He's writing to those that are born of the Spirit, those that are washed in the blood, those that are saved by the grace of God. Peter says to us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, your enemy, like a roaring lion, that's the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's his nature. He's like a roaring lion. He's like one. He isn't one, but he's like one. And he goes about seeking whom he may devour. So this morning, as we look at this verse, probably over a couple of weeks, I want to talk just for a minute about signs of satanic attack. Signs of satanic attack. Now, 
There are going to be some things that I'll share this morning that I believe will help us. And in no way, if you listen to the full message over a number of weeks, you'll know where we're going to go. But in no way, again, is this to magnify the enemy. But what it is to do is to identify his work. Now, uh, Stephen and Trish, tragically, not so long ago, you remember the story that a thief had broke into their house, come in the back way, um, and ransacked their home. And when they came back, they were devastated. Someone had infiltrated and got into their personal belongings down in the uh, Naomi's room there and racked all around them. And just it was just a, when you walk into something like that, there's a an atmosphere. Someone's come in to your your dwelling. Someone's invaded your privacy. Someone has entered into something that doesn't belong to them. They have no right to do that, but they break the law. They enter in, and their whole purpose in doing that is to bring absolute destruction. And it seemed senseless because all it was was just a mess. Um, if they broke into our house and went into our boys' room, it's always a mess, so you wouldn't know if someone's been there. But the enemy get in and racked all around them. And uh, so they call the police. The police come out. The police... Of course, they'll take a few notes and different things like that. But then they'll say, just leave everything as it is. Don't touch anything. Just leave everything as it is. Because the CID are going to come. And what they'll do is they'll dust the place. I don't really know all the terms, but I know they start to dust the place down. And then what are they looking for? They're looking for fingerprints. So all around, they'll check the doors. And so in a spiritual sense this morning... If we were to be spiritually dusted over, if we were to be spiritually dusted over this morning and uh, and take the time in a spiritual way and see if there's any fingerprints in a spiritual context on our lives, I wonder how many of these, when we put it through the system, who's going to spring up? Whose name will come to the fore? What notable, infamous character is going to come to the top and say, we got him. I want to tell you what often springs up is just this old adversary, this old lion thief called the devil. I wonder what fingerprints are on us. Let me talk about a few things. Number one, I'll go right back to the garden, doubt. In Genesis chapter 3, tells us there that The serpent, he was more subtle than any beast of the field. He comes into the garden. What's his question? He says to Eve, has God said? In other words, I want to take you away from the authority of God's word. I want to take you away from what God has said. And I want to put doubt on whether God actually says what he means. Now, you might this morning be sitting here saying, listen, I just believe the word of God, Genesis, the revelation. And we should, because it's God's inerrant, infallible word. It's the living word of God, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Thank God we've got a Bible in our own language. But it might surprise you, and it certainly over the years not certainly surprised me anymore, that when I sit down and talk and have opportunities to speak to people or in counsel or in any type of thing, it surprises me how blatant that the enemy has become in bringing people to a place where they doubt 
the word of God, believers, what God has said. And sometimes when you listen to what people say in genuine and sincerity and bring forth what they believe, and then you say, but I want to tell you something. The Bible doesn't say that. Do you understand? The Bible doesn't say that concerning you, concerning your purpose, concerning the plan, concerning what everything that God has for you. What you have doubted is the word of God. And the Bible tells us that in Genesis chapter 3, it was the enemy that came and caused the woman to doubt. And you might say, well, a wee bit of a doubt's no problem. Friends, when Eve doubted and disobeyed, that's where it leads to. And thirdly, it's brought destruction on the whole planet. So to doubt, to doubt, listen, we don't want to dwell where doubts and fears, we want to press on to higher ground. We want to believe God's word. So when you see that people doubt, we see that it is actually a work of the enemy to cause people to doubt God's word. And God's word is true. So this morning, maybe if you were dusted over, we might find that there is someone sitting here this morning that they doubt. And doubt leads to a place of disobedience. And if with that then becomes an awful lot of trouble in our lives. And so it is the enemy that would come to try and cause the saint of God to doubt the word of God. Has God give you a promise? Do you know if we are Christ and we are Abraham's seed and we're heirs to the promise of God and the enemy would seek to cause you to doubt the word of God as there's someone sitting waiting and longing for a healing and then doubt comes and when the doubt comes they begin to doubt that I am the Lord that healeth thee. Is there someone this morning that's doubting whether or not God would fill them with the power of the Holy Ghost? Let me tell you something. He shall fill you through and through. But people begin to doubt because time passes and the enemy begins to work. Not only is there doubt, but maybe if you were dusted down this morning, there's unbelief. It tells us of Peter. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to have you. He's going to sift you as wheat. But I'm praying for you, what? That your faith doesn't fail. Why? Because they're in the mangle. They're being put through the trials. No, the old mangles. The kids wouldn't know them, and I don't know much about them. They were before my time. But that mangle, when they put you in, and they flatten you out, and then they put you out again, and then back in again, the devil wanted to sift them as wheat. But Jesus said, I'm praying for you that that your faith does not fail. And it's the devil, the Bible tells us, that blinds the minds of them. What? That don't believe it is a spiritual work and the enemy will come. Can you imagine in this house this morning that there will be someone, a saint of God, that's sitting with a heart of unbelief? Someone sitting this morning doubting the promises of God? Is there someone this morning that's been so battered and bruised and gone through all the trials of life and being sifted as wheat that you feel this morning you've lost your faith and yet we know of a truth that Jesus, our great high priest, is ever interceding on our behalf and praying that our faith will not fail. And yet we see the workings and the fingerprints of the enemy as he would come and so we see the doubt, we see the unbelief. We maybe see fear. Again, some may not even appreciate any of those things that I'm saying, but there are some that are absolutely entrenched in these areas of the satanic attack of the enemy. And so there's fear. There's this fear that comes. Can I share with you this morning, I have had a battle with fear. 
I have had a battle with fear. I want to let you know that this morning. To expose the power of the enemy. I tell you what I fear. I fear that my son will be so gripped by the sin and the powers of darkness. That the devil will take him to hell. That's what I fear. And I know I've got to trust God's word. And I know I've got to stand in the promises of God. That if you train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he shall not depart from it. But I've got a battle. Nikki has a battle. We battle with fear because we're human and we're frail beings and we need Jesus. And so you battle with that. Those with unsaved loved ones, those that have been battling and praying and believing God, you become the times when there's trouble and there's doubt and, you know, you hear the things that are going on. I, I tell you, friends, I know that that world is darker than it's ever been and sin is abounding more than it ever has. But where sin abounds, the Bible says, grace abounds more. That God's grace is able to deliver and set free. But I know we're in a battle believing for Jack. And we're in a battle because we know the enemy could take him to a lost eternity. But we got to stand on the word of the living God. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And so that is a battle. But it's a battle that we're in. But it's a battle through Jesus Christ. And he will give us the victory. And that's our assurance this morning, not ourselves, but it's God's word. And we see the activity of the enemy. Maybe you're frightened. You live in fear. You live in fear for other circumstances. You live in fear because you feel intimidated. You feel let down. You feel broken. You're fearful of, of the night. You know, we heard a story last week of, of a believer that is afraid to go asleep every night afraid to put their head on a pillow. This is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, but that's, that's, not, that's not in line with the scripture. I know that, and they know that. And the word of God says, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stead on thee. But there's a battle in that believer. Thank God this morning he gives the victory. That old saint of God, Linda, lying in that Liverpool bed, we got the word this morning that there's been a breakthrough She's been going along for weeks, not even believing. She's saved. She's going to hell. This is a woman that served Jesus all her life. And now God's broke through. And she's singing the songs of Zion. said, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But there was a battle. And the battle has been won because of Jesus. And God's people got round her. And began to share God's word. And lift up her hands. And sing the songs of Zion. And victory comes. Friends, we need to know what it is. To praise the Lord and lift up the hands that hang down and look on to Jesus. He gives the victory. So we see doubt and unbelief and fear and torment. Torment is off the enemy. The Bible clearly teaches us great peace of they that love thy law. and Nothing shall offend them. Great peace. That's the word of the Lord. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Jesus gives us peace. But then there's torment of the mind. The amount of believers that are tormented in their mind. Do you know, a lot of it's to do with understanding their place in Jesus Christ. Their identity in Jesus. I know, this is what Paul said, do you think he has an identity crisis? I know whom I believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Do you think there's an identity crisis there? No. He knows whom he's believed in. He knows it's Jesus. He knows that he's able. His focus, his life is Christ. And yet today we see that there is an onslaught on the mind. 
Not only in the world, but also in the church of Jesus Christ. People live in torment and often it's to do with their identity. Who am I? I tell you, friends, it's not who am I, it's who he is. And it's when our focus is on him and not ourselves. There's an identity crisis in the world, isn't there? Actually, what the enemy wants to do is to destroy identity. God made us man. God made us woman. So the enemy wants to destroy all of that. And you hear all the arguments today and everything that's going on. Friends, I want to tell you, we're not fashioned by the world. We're not impressed. You know, you might look at all these things and see all all the stuff that they put up and you're supposed to look this way, you're supposed to be this thin. I don't look at it, as you can tell. I'm just the way I am. But And everyone's being fashioned by the world. That's the world. That's the flesh. That's the devil. And so you have to be a certain size. You have to look a certain way. You have to have... I'm going to tell you, friends, my identity is in Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for a new body. And so then we're impressed by these things. Friends, know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. This body's falling apart. The hair's falling out. The teeth are falling out. But one day, we'll have a new body. You'll not even know me. Have more hair than Luke. It'd be wonderful. But his identity and people live in torment trying to reach something of this worldly standard. I want to tell you, friends, just good to know this morning. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. There's a peace in that. There's a contentment in that. I'm not talking about we all have to look the same way. We're all different. We're all diverse. But, friends, there's a striving in that world to look a certain way. And it's sad and people are influenced by it. You see, he's the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the earth. And he uses every type of work, especially against our young people. They would know more about this than I'll ever know about it. But you have to be a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to be a certain person. You have to like a certain type of music. You have, I want to tell you, friend, we don't have to do that at all. That's the world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So people live a tormented life trying, let me tell your friends, just, just lay it all down and give it all to Jesus. Because he makes everything beautiful in his time. Just to be like him, isn't it? And so we see people living a tormented life. Then when you see people, and this is probably comes closer in, into the work of God, into the heart of God, into the very hearts of God's people, but the devil uses these things as power bases. When you see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you turn over to it, it tells us there about this area of unforgiveness in the body of Christ. It is a platform for the enemy to work. You know, he doesn't come with horns. And as Brother Duke Down said, with buck teeth, he comes, he comes on the flesh finds a place in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgive it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And he says, lest Satan should take an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his what devices. One of the great difficulties today, of course, in the body of Christ is on forgiveness. And these are platforms, power bases for the enemy to get into the body of Christ and bring division and bring schisms. And where there's division, then there's no blessing. Do we want the blessing of the Lord? Where is the blessing of the Lord when the brethren dwell together in unity? So these are the fingerprints or the signs. We think of Ananias and Sapphira who lie to the Holy Ghost when there's lies. Lies in the house of God. <clears throat> think of two people at the start of that early church. And Peter said, Satan has filled your heart to lie. Satan filled your heart to lie. So we are people of truth. Even if it's difficult, let your yes be yes. And let your, your no be no. It's just you tell the truth. Christians tell the truth. I know this is basic. You'd think, but well, sure, Christians do tell the truth. Friends, never a day has the body of Christ been so filled with people telling lies. And these are all platforms for satanic, satanic activity in the church of Jesus Christ. The devil loves hurts. He loves schisms. He loves division. And really, worst of all, his greatest power base in the church of Jesus Christ today is pride. He loves to work on the flesh. He loves to manifest himself through the operation of the flesh, that pride. It was pride that took the devil out of heaven. It was pride that took man down into the depravity of the fall. And ultimately it will be pride that will take every man and woman to hell because they'll reject Christ. I will not buy. Let me tell you, you may not buy on this scene of time. But the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so we see a display today, really a shocking display of man and all his effort and all his pomp and all his activity. And yet it is absolutely the opposite to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and how the devil loves pride. He loves it. It's probably one of the areas that you probably heard before that concerns me greatly when it comes to the whole area of the whole contemporary worship music scene. It's just a display of man. It's a display of man. I'm not saying that all the songs are horrible. I'm not saying all the songs, some of those songs are fine, they're spiritual, there's content to them. But in general, for the most part, it's a complete display of man. You know, the devil loves it. Loves it. Brother Clendenin said these words, I believe them to be true, that the devil collects that for his worship. His worship. I thought that was a powerful statement. And you see it all. You see the display. You see the pomp of man. You see the pride of life. You see the, the pushing up. You know, I got the little clip just on Friday. And it, not just out to do a rant this morning of, of one of the leading prosperity gospel preachers, David sent me it through, and his anger that he would be questioned 
in any shape or form because of the lavish lifestyle of the private jets, the cars, and the fleecing of the people of God, and that God has promised him that he should be wealthy just like Abraham. Brothers and sisters, it was such a display. It's the opposite of the person of Christ. It says that he had no where to lay his head. It was a borrowed tomb, the king of glory, and the display of all of that. It's a tragedy of our day, the manipulation of the gospel for man's own end, for to make money and the gospel of Jesus Christ, such a display of the pride of man. It's a tragedy. Brothers and sisters, it's absolutely the opposite to the person of Christ. But see all these things, the devil loves it. His fingerprints are all over it. It's everything of the character of him. Father of lies, he's a murderer, he's a thief. Perhaps this morning he's stolen your joy, your peace, he's stolen your praise. Do you know what's a great, you know what the Bible says? It's a good thing to praise the Lord. Do you know it's a good thing? Would you say amen? You no, know, you want to do a good thing this morning? No, the good thing that you could do, you could praise the Lord. Isn't it good to praise the Lord? So the Bible tells us here that when the enemy comes in like a flood, and that's not the flood. I'll come to the flood next week. I just wanted to identify this morning the workings of the enemy. And I wanted us this morning to honestly to identify those things Perhaps you've come to believe. Perhaps there's a root of bitterness. Perhaps there's unforgiveness. Perhaps there's doubt. Perhaps there's an unbelieving heart. Perhaps someone is living in fear. Perhaps some poor saint this morning is being tormented. Perhaps someone this morning is in the place of hurt or unforgiveness. Perhaps a brother and a sister are divided. Perhaps someone has taken offense. Perhaps someone this morning is sitting broken. The enemy has a field day and all those things. It's a spiritual attack. But thanks be to God this morning there's victory. And then this is a choice. You see, there's a choice this morning. You have a choice, believer. You you can say, well, that's the truth. But you know what? I'm going to hold on to my own forgiveness because... That's just the way it is. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you have no idea what your given ground of the enemy will do. Well, I, I don't have to get this right. I want to tell you, friends, we do need to get this right. We do need to have these things right. We do need to identify those things. We do need to pray for one another. I do want to pray for those that are battling this morning. I do want to believe God for a victory in your life. I don't want you to live a life of defeat and torment. That is not what Christ came to purchase for us. He came to give us peace. He gave us an overcoming life. He says we'll triumph in every place and he would give us his peace and we would be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Is that the word of the Lord? And do you believe it? So we can all quote these verses very easy. But it's another thing to live these verses. Going to have to live them tonight, tomorrow. Make the choices and how we will live for the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I believe, 
just at this time as we come to a close, we just bring our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, this personally, don't, I don't want you to think about anybody else. The worst thing that, do you know what that is? If anyone's sitting thinking, I hope that she's here not or he's here not, do you know what that actually is? I want to tell you, that's pride in your heart. That's pride in your heart. It's not to condemn us. It's to give us life. Jesus, he said that the thief would come to steal, to kill and destroy. But what did he come to give us? Who wants life? Who has life? So we have that life, a life to the full. And so we come this morning, and I just want us to thank the Lord for saving us and lift our hearts to him and say, Lord, this morning you know my heart, you know my struggles, you know my battles. I want to bring them all to you this morning. And I want you just to come with your love and your peace because your perfect love will cast out all fear because fear has torment. You have promised me in your word that you give me a sound mind. A sound mind, power, love. We just come this morning and say, Lord, give us the grace. Confess it. Expose it to God. Expose the enemy. Nobody likes darkness. Just expose it and say, Lord, help us this morning. Just to, just to open our hearts to him just for a few minutes individually. Then I'm going to do something after that. I just want us to pray as a body this morning, just where you are, put your hand on a shoulder and pray for your brother, pray for your sister. You may not know what they're going through. Let me tell you something, Jesus knows. And when the body then prays one for another, what happens? The Spirit of God begins to move, the anointing begins to flow, and the body, the body of Christ will feel the healing, strengthening power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not wonderful this morning to know him, to allow him to work and to move among us. So let's pray this morning, just individually. We open our hearts to him, talk to him this morning, confess our failures, our faults, our sins, our shortcomings, identify the work of the enemy in our hearts or in our lives this morning. Just bring it all before him and begin to thank him. I encourage you, one of the great things to do for a great victory in your life is to praise the Lord, is to really begin to praise him and thank him for who he is and lift up his wonderful name this morning. But open your heart and let him minister into you. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you this morning, if you open your heart and begin to pray, begin to thank him, begin to praise him, confess our weaknesses to him, he will come. And he will lift and he will give us the faith that is necessary in our hearts, the grace to be able to do what we cannot do. Isn't he wonderful this morning? Let's thank him and praise him. Take those few moments just individually. Amen.